Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks, howdy and welcome to Grass Talk Radio. Today's episode is going to be about what I consider to be the two most important pieces of equipment that any bluegrass musician will ever use whether you're a beginner or a professional. So we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Before we get into that, I want to say a big thank you to the Patreon patrons. who I, They're probably in that imaginary grass talk radio lounge, <clears throat> smoking cigars and drinking martinis and hanging out. And uh, it's not exactly crowded in there yet, but... If you were to join them by becoming a Patreon patron over at patreon.com slash Bradley Laird, then you would be helping out the show with uh, either a micro or a mega donation. Uh, That is completely up to you. But you'd be hanging out in there with them, metaphorically. So anyway, I want to just say thanks to Ben, Craig, Gina, Lori, Mike, Pat, and Tom. So they are the patrons. And they are making it happen. Thanks all of you guys and gals. All right, now I also want to mention, before I get into the two most important pieces of equipment, uh, you may hear some beautiful rain coming down on this tin roof. I'm still set up recording in the barn and it's about 6.30 right now in the morning. The barometer finally changed and this dry spell broke. We had this high pressure zone just settled on the southeast. And the grass was getting dry and the plants are suffering. And it, it's been dragging on and dragging on and dragging on. And finally yesterday it broke. And we got a little bit of light rain and got some more overnight just it's that kind of good rain where when you've had a long dry spell the last thing you want is six inches of rain in a quick thunder shower as it just it all runs off and then the sun comes out and cooks everything again what you want are this you know two three days of misty cloudy little rain shower then it stops a little more rain you know and build it up over the course of a couple of couple of days That's a lot like practice, you know. It's better to do a little bit frequently than to do, you know, a lot at once. Same thing, but we're we're getting our rain finally, and and the grass is already greening up a little bit, which of course means I will soon be back on the lawnmower again. Okay, the second announcement I want to make, first being thanking the patrons. The second is that I have uh, just released a new PDF ebook. There has been a document floating around the, the bluegrass community for a long time. I've seen this thing for years. In fact, I've seen it printed out and handed out at jam sessions. I've seen it printed in Bluegrass Association newsletters, 
might have even seen it printed in in bluegrass unlimited magazine i don't remember all the places i've seen it but if you've been around bluegrass for the last 20 years you've seen this thing and it's sort of a sort of a play on the ten commandments and it basically it's ten rules for bluegrass jam sessions and it was called the ten commandments very simple, you know, thou shalt tune thy instrument is like the first commandment. Very clever idea. Boy, can you hear that rain? Wow. I'm not complaining about that rain. If you hear what sounds like white noise in the background, it's just that beautiful, life-giving rain. Thank you. So anyway, the ten commandments have been floating around for a long time. And I've thought about, well, that would make a good topic for discussion on the podcast. However, I'm not going to do that here because what I did, I felt like the, the ten little rules, they, were, they served as a good reminder. You know, much like thou shalt not steal. Um, you know, that's a reminder, but it doesn't fully explain all the possibilities and all the ramifications. And, you know, so if, if you were new to the bluegrass jamming world you might need a little more explanation so i wrote a 60 page free ebook called the 10 commandments discussed that's not d-i-s-g-u-s-t it's d-i-s-c-u-s-s-e-d discussed so what i did is i took each of the famous Ten Commandments and thought about it and started telling you some stories and some tips and advice and just thoughts. I even I even bear my soul on a few of the faux pas that I have made over the years at jam sessions and just things I've witnessed in 40 years of jamming. So I just tried to more fully develop and explain the 10 basic ideas and and they're really good ideas and pretty commonly put in practice at jam sessions all around the world certainly in bluegrass jam sessions and at festivals and things like that anyway this is now available as a free downloadable ebook so i encourage you to get it if nothing else you can have another look at how my mind works and how I get this tunnel vision and I you know I sit down on on Monday with an idea and on Thursday it's a 60 page book and I think it's already been downloaded something like 60 times so far and by the way I posted it first on my Patreon site so the uh, the patrons Ben, Craig, Gina, Lori, Mike, Pat, and Tom, they would have seen it before everyone else. And a little, you know, added bonus of being a patron. You're going to find out things a little quicker. Um, Scott over at Manlin Cafe posted a, a link to it on Manlin Cafe, and it's it's up there right now. I'm not sure how long those those little quick news links get pushed off of there pretty quick, but that's one way you can go find it. I have not yet added any kind of links to it or anything on my website. So if you want to download it, here's what you do. You go to payhip.com, P-A-Y-H-I-P.com 
slash Bradley Laird. Now that's the address for my online store where I sell all my other ebooks and video lessons and courses and all that kind of stuff. But I put it up there and it's free. And technically the pricing is, they don't really have a free option, um, but they have a little plan that says you can set the price to pay whatever you want. And so when I set the price to pay whatever you want, minimum zero dollars and zero cents, that allows you to just leave the price at zero and fill in your email address and hit download and you, you get it without having to pay. I have had a couple of people uh, drop five bucks on it. And it's just a nice little tip and I appreciate that too, but that is completely optional. You know, you could punch in there, you know, $25,000 if, if you wanted to. Um, but it's free. So go to payhip.com slash Bradley Laird. And when you get there, there are little category buttons. It says mandolin, banjo. There's one that says miss, M-I-S-C for miscellaneous. Click that one and scroll down and you're going to see the 10 Jamandments Discussed ebook. And uh, take a look at it, enjoy it, and there's also a little bonus in there. There's a, the very last page of the book is also a 25% discount coupon off any of my products. So if you don't want to read the book or don't care anything about the 10 commandments discussed, you can still get the discount coupon, which is the final page of the book. And by the way, the book is formatted in a very tablet and phone friendly way and it's just PDF download so if you're on an iPhone or a iBook something like that there's nothing to unzip it's a fairly small file you can get it on pretty much any device so just remember that very last page is a little discount coupon there so Y'all take a look at that. I would, I would encourage anyone who reads it, if you think of some other things, you know, some experiences you've had or some additional rules. I, after I finished discussing the 10 classic commandments that have been thrown around all these years, in doing all of that, I thought of a bunch of other questions that a beginner, or not even a beginner, but that folks might have and I discuss some other issues that surround the whole jamming world and just you know question answer question answer through there so there there's more than just the ten commandments in the book uh, so anyway go over there to payhip.com slash Bradley Laird click that miscellaneous button and scroll down a little bit and you will see it there okay <clears throat> Let me have a sip of my coffee here. It is, as I said, well, it's pushing 7 o'clock now in the morning. Of course, my coffee is already cold. All right, let's talk about the two most important, well, we'll call them tools for a bluegrass musician. And I want to say that it is technically possible to play bluegrass without both of these tools, I have seen it once. Well, maybe twice. But it's a whole lot easier if you have both of these tools. 
And what are they? They are those little things you forget about that you use constantly for all day long. And you don't you probably spend a lot of time thinking about them until something goes wrong. It's like your car. It's like, who goes around thinking about, you know, how the timing of their ignition is? They only think about it when it's when the engine starts skipping and missing. Now suddenly you're concerned. But, you know, the day before you're buzzing around town in your car, didn't give it a bit of thought. Or who, who thinks about their tires on their car until they go flat? You know, or until, you know, your brother-in-law says, man, your tires are getting bald there. You need to get you some new tires. So what I'm saying is we tend to take these two things for granted. And what I'm talking about are your two hands. I think they deserve a little bit of thought and a lot more respect than the average person gives them on a daily basis. So I was thinking about the hands, and I, I had thought a year ago about doing an episode. I, I found a book at the library called The Hand. And it was just somebody had written an entire book about, you know, the human hand and how miraculously complex it is and how beautifully adapted it is to being so incredibly useful. And I, I never got around to doing that episode. And so I guess this is it today. And I'm not going to spend two hours talking about your hands. But I, I want you to remember that, you know, you've, you've probably heard this little thing thrown around where somebody will, you know, there's all this talk about what's the best instrument. How do I get my banjo set up to where it sounds like Earl? And it's, it's often said by those who know that you could take a crummy old banjo put it in Earl's lap, and he'd still sound like Earl. Admittedly, you know, I'm not saying some instruments don't sound better than others. No doubt, they do. And an instrument needs to be set up where it is playable, and it will play in tune, and all those sort of basic things. But if you take, if you take a, a $1,000 mandolin, you're going to have a pretty good mandolin. So you got a $1,000 mandolin with a decent setup on it. And right beside it, you have a $25,000 mandolin with a decent setup. I'm telling you, you hand those two mandolins to Sam Bush and say, play that one. Now play that one. He's going to sound like Sam Bush on both of those instruments. Now he might prefer one over the other. And one might sound a little better. But the real magic is in the person's hands. And of course, the hands are connected to the body, which is connected to the heart and to the brain. So, you know, the hands are like these little remote control. They're like little remote sensing units. And they're tools. And they're little remote control, robotically controlled um devices for physical manipulation of things outside of your body, such as your banjo picks, or if you reach in your pocket and pull your shove capo out and snap it on the fourth fret of your banjo, 
That'd be a little tough to do with no hands. So all I'm saying is, try to think about your hands a little bit, at least maybe while you're listening to this podcast, and give them a little more respect, because they are literally your connection with the music world. Now, obviously, they're not required for singing. So I'm just leaving the singing out, you know, the singing part of bluegrass out of this discussion. But all the picking, doesn't matter what instrument you're on, in a bluegrass band, I'm going to turn my page here, require the use of hands. Now, I have seen, I saw, met and and played a little bit with a one-armed fiddle player down in Vandiver, Alabama. This was probably back about 19, oh gosh, maybe 81. Pony Express was playing a little festival in Vandiver, Alabama. Very small little festival. And ran into this fiddle player, one-armed fiddle player. He kind of... uh, he had a way of holding the bow. I think it was... I can't, I'm going to get right and left backwards. It's been a long time ago. But he basically just, you know, had the bow held rigidly under his armpit. And that was the arm that he didn't have a hand on that side. And he had his fiddle, had the end pin of the fiddle, sitting on his knee vertically. And he moved the fiddle. Instead of moving the bow, he moved the fiddle. And that man could play. It was pretty amazing. He wasn't, uh, I mean, he was playing fast stuff, waltzes. He playing Orange Blossom Special. And I guess it goes to show that, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. But he, you know... Given the chance to have two hands, I I bet you he would have preferred it, you know? And you've got two, I assume, or you probably wouldn't have taken up bluegrass, so try to use them carefully and maybe appreciate them once in a while. So as I was looking up about the hand, and I didn't have that book from the library, I I just want to remind you how complicated they are. Hold on, drop my glasses. Which... Now, at my age, uh, you know, without them, I can't read at all. I grabbed the dictionary, and I just looked up hand. And I was, you know, I was thinking about those things we use to, you know, form a G chord and hold a pick and those things. I just want to take a look at the official definition there. And I also got out the, my old Funkin' Wagnalls encyclopedia and looked up hand. They had a little article on it. And the first thing, I was I was reminded of this. I probably knew this in the 10th grade in, in science class. But I had forgotten that there are 27 bones in each hand. You can see you got 27 in the right hand and 27 on the left. That's a bunch of hands. I'm sorry. That's a bunch of bones. And it had it broken down, there are eight bones, two rows of four kind of lined up in the wrist. There are five uh, metacarpals, bones that extend to each finger and to the thumb that sort of form, you would say, the backbone, the plane of the palm of your hand. Your thumb has two bones in it, 
and each one of your four fingers has three. That's a lot of little bones. And so there are a lot of little joints and articulating points between the bones, which of course have cartilage in there. And all of these little bones are connected to tendons, ligaments, muscles. And, you know, I was, I was reading this um, in the Funk and Wagnalls, and it reminded me how a lot of people don't think about the fact that most of the motion of the fingers and thumb is controlled by muscles remotely up in the forearm. You know, that the the muscles that extend your fingers, like if you, let's say you have your, your hand sort of in a loose fist and you straighten your fingers, those muscles are on the back of your forearm, all connected with little tendons. And when you close your fist and grasp something, those muscles are on the inside of your forearm. So it's already reminding you that the fingers and thumb are connected to the rest of your body. And we don't think about these things. You know, if, if you're uh, coming out of the gas station, you just paid for your 10 bucks worth of gas, and you see a penny laying in the parking lot. You bend over and you pick it up and you look at it and you put it in your pocket. But you don't contemplate a whole lot about, now, should I move the thumb an eighth of an inch and a quarter of an inch this way and how do I turn my wrist? You know, you don't think about this because these movements become subconscious. All that controlling of the hands, some of it's just built into the genetics of a human being. You know, babies are well known for being able to grab a hold of your finger. You know, I've, I've seen babies that could hang like a monkey. You know, you just put your two fingers in the, in their palms. And, I mean, we're talking, you know, like two months old. And they, they grab a hold on there and you lift them up. So some of this is just programmed into the hard wiring of the, of the very lower depths of our brains, probably down in the reptilian brain area. But some of the things are the result of training. Obviously, when you're born... Your hands do not know to ha know how to play flats G run, and they surely don't know how to play train forty five on the banjo, and do it very well. So some of these things are learned, and some of them are inborn, you might say. But the hand, the hand really truly doesn't care. It, it's going to do whatever you tell it to do presuming it's not defective in some way through injury or abuse. We'll come back and talk about all that stuff, too. But remember that your hands are not just tools for the manipulation of your strings and your bow and your pick. They're also sensors, because in addition to the bones, tendons, and muscle connections, there are also nerves that... You have that sense of touch, pressure sensors, pain sensors that, that give your brain feedback as to, am I touching the string yet or am I barely touching it? Am I pressing a little too hard? In other words, you can feel things and there are a lot of sensitive nerve endings 
in the fingers and the thumb. You've also got little tiny vestigial hairs that they may be just a holdover from back in, in, back in the day when some people say we were swinging through the trees, but they also form a bit of a, a little remote sensing unit too because they will detect the motion of air. You know, in a wind, they move a little bit. So you got those little fine sensors. You've obviously also have to have blood supply. So there are, you know, arteries, you know, where you take your pulse in your wrist, big main artery coming into your hand, and then all the little capillaries and then a vein to return the blood supply. And of course, you've got skin and nails. I mean, there's a lot of parts to a hand. It's very interesting to think about it. But how many people think of that when they're practicing their big G chop cord on the mandolin? Mostly they cuss and swear at how their their hand just won't do it. I can't stretch my hand that far. A guy I loaned a mandolin to a, a week ago and uh, gave him uh, my movable major and minor chords video and the mandolin i was encouraging him to take up the mandolin so he's got the mandolin he's practicing i sent him an email and i said hey pat so how's it going have you uh have you tried out that mandolin yet he writes me back with the classic statement i hate that big g chop chord and he may have said he hates his own hands he did mention something about you know with arthritis and at my age and blah 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 and well, I, I will admit, you know, those sort of problems do affect your abilities with your hands. I, I don't deny that. I've got similar problems. But don't hate the hand. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was trying to connect that with don't bite the hand that feeds you, but it's not really your hand's fault. It's lack of training perhaps long-term abuse of your hands. You know, maybe you just earn a living as a trans, uh, you know, you, you work on transmissions of 18 wheelers. Maybe that's what you've done for a living or maybe you're a coal miner or whatever. You may have treated your hands um, a lot differently than, you know, say a portrait painter who might have treated their hands quite differently. So sometimes it's just long-term learned patterns and, and long-term patterns of, you could say abuse. I mean, if, if, if you're a coal miner, you need those strong hands and heavy calluses to handle the, you know, the sledgehammers and the pickaxes and the shovels and, you know, and you're going to toughen up, but it may make it a little more tricky to, uh, envision that you're going to play Bach on the mandolin, you know, with any kind of fluidity like Chris Thiele might, um, you know, put Chris Thiele in a coal mine for five years and probably going to make it a little more difficult for him. But what I'm saying here is don't blame your hands. Just try to Examine your hands and think about them and do what you can to make your hands more efficient. Okay, as I was looking through the dictionary, I was also struck 
You know, I think a dictionary is a good book to occasionally read. Not that anybody ever looks at them anymore, but so I just look up hand. And then I start scanning down the page, that column, and the next column, and the next column. Turn the page, and it's still going. Lists of words and phrases and meanings and usages of the word hand. And I was just blown away. And I, I want to just mention some of these because, number one, I had never stopped to think about it. And I found it kind of a fascinating little uh, mind trip just to remind myself of how connected the idea of a hand is to so many things in our life. And secondly, because I had never really thought about that, it reminded me how much we take our hands for granted. So let me just, I'm going to roll through some of these real fast. Obviously, the first definition was just a description of the hand, you know, in the anatomical sense. Then the next one, it was talking about clock hands, like the hands on a watch. Now, if you've got a Mickey Mouse watch, they actually do look like hands, but there's that use of the word hands, like, you know, the hands of the hands of time. An employee, you could have an employee and he would, might be your hired hand or a, a helper. Hey, hey, c can you lend me a hand? You know, or the member of a crew or a team, you know, like all hands on deck. So we're already getting a whole bunch of meanings for hand. I think it stresses how important hands are and how they, they seem to be involved in almost everything that we do. You might say we're really handy people. This is this one's one I just didn't think about, you know, and I do this all the time on the podcast. Hand can mean different sides of a subject, different points of view. On one hand, then again, on the other hand, you know, they're used like this metaphorically. And then there's handwriting. And back in the days when everyone wrote in, you know, longhand, you, you would just refer to their, the quality of their writing as their hand. Oh, he's got a beautiful hand. Doesn't she have a lovely hand? You know, talking about the handwriting. The hand also can talk about sources of knowledge. Like, you're a reporter and you arrive late to the big barn fire. And you're looking for a witness. Somebody who saw it break out. And you're looking for a first-hand witness. Perhaps someone who happened to be on hand. Maybe he was a handyman or a hired hand, and he happened to kick over the lantern and set the barn on fire. First hand means you were there. I give you a lot of first-hand stories here on the podcast. This is one you get a lot at Bluegrass. Hey, won't you give our banjo player a nice hand? It means applause, too. Or, for you poker players, you got dealt a bad hand. And, of course, it refers to that little fistful of cards that you've got in, in your hand. You're holding a hand in your hand. And 
that round of bridge or poker or whatever is also called a hand. So I had a good hand in my hand, but not during the first hand. It was the third hand was my best hand. It's just amazing how intertwined the word hand is. A hand for um, old-timey Southerners, and I guarantee you this house that I live in, um, it's an old farm in South Georgia. I can assure you that at some point back in the day, when this property ran all the way down to Muckley Creek and was farmed by mule and perhaps a hired hand or two, maybe some sharecroppers, that uh, they'd have a tobacco patch. And a bundle of tobacco leaves is known as a hand. Also, here, here's, I'm just going to roll through a bunch of these because I don't want to make this like a two-hour episode, but... Think about some of these. You can be very heavy-handed. <laughs> Your boss comes in and starts, you know, throwing his weight around. He's a pretty heavy-handed boss. Or you can be high-handed. You can also be underhanded. <laughs> or you can do things with an even hand. So, you know, it's like... It it shows that you can use hands. They're just a tool. They can be used for good or evil. You know, same goes with a hammer. I can use it for good or I could use it for evil. I could, you know, bash the window out of your car while you're inside playing a gig and I could rifle through your glove box. And, you know, you could use a hammer that way. <laughs> That'd be pretty underhanded. Uh, things that are nearby are considered close at hand, you know, or handy. Or how about this one? Man, that dude is living from hand to mouth. I've lived from hand to mouth a few times. It's where your your situation is rather precarious, and you're more concerned about your next meal than your 401k. You know, that's living hand to mouth, kind of a description of what you would do immediately if you found, you know, a, a can of Vienna sausages laying around. Hand in glove, you know, obviously that means a very close, intimate, working relationship. Oh, those guys, they play together like a hand in a glove. You can take a hands-off approach to things like, I'm not going to tell you how to sing tenor. I've been through that before. Uh, you know, you just, I'm taking a hands-off approach there. The guy's way too touchy. Or I could do a hands-on approach. Now, son, when you sing tenor, you know, what what you need to do is, uh, you know, that's a hands-on approach. There is a hand-to-hand, -hand, like in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Or uh, responsibility. That's one. I didn't think about that. It's in your hands. It's like, I leave it up to you. You're responsible. We're going to write this set list. We're all arguing about, look, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. Hey, and it's in good hands. You're in good hands with Allstate. My Allstate insurance guy who gets my money every month for car insurance would probably appreciate me saying that. And, of course, there is 
hand it over. Come on, hand it over. Hand it over, buddy. Give it up. Or yield. Yield control of something is to hand something. And then there's all kind of other things. Handbags. Handball. The game handball. A handbill. You know? Hey, that's, it's not a very common phrase anymore, but now we call them flyers. But uh, handbills. The handbook. I wrote the mandolin handbook. You got a handbrake on your car, and you're lucky you got one. And, of course, there's the hand car, which if you watched uh, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You saw those, uh, you know, <laughs> escapees climb on a hand car going down the railroad track. There's the hand grenade, one of the more devious uses of the word hand and just like, I mean... I wouldn't be very proud if that was my contribution to the world was, oh, I invented the hand grenade. I mean, for defensive purposes, okay. I'm I'm all for defense, but I don't know. Just like, hmm, I'd rather have the next one, which is handicrafts, you know? Little stuff you make at summer camp, you know? Hey, I made this boondoggle. <laughs> uh, handicrafts, handwork. Well, that does require a bit of handwork. If you work in a machine shop, you'll find that they, you know, they take the apprentices and the new guys and they make them do the handwork. You know, the old man, he runs the lathe. And then there's a bit of handwork and, you know, they give you a tub with 10,000 little knobs in it and you have to one at a time take a file and get the burrs off, you know. That's the handwork. And, you know, handwork is a good thing. There's the handkerchief, handkerchief. There's the good old handle. It's that thing you grab, you know, got a handle on it. Guy gave me at the jam last Tuesday night, Ralph, our bass player. The handle broke off of his bass amplifier. And uh, I sent him a link to Antique Electronic Supply. I said, hey, you can get handles, you know, for all kind of stuff on here. Well, he ordered one, it came in, it turned out it was the wrong size. He brought it, and he, he's like, man, this is an inch too short. Here, do you want this handle? I'm like, yeah. How much you give for this? I don't know, three bucks? I just take it. So I said, well, I'm sure I've got something, some piece of gear around the house that probably needs a new handle, so I'll put it to good use, and I stuck it in my Dobro case. Might just leave it in there in case... I ever encounter anybody with a broken handle, but a handle, which has multiple meanings too. Like, look, I think I can handle it. Or I've got a pretty good handle on that. You know? <laughs> and it's funny that nobody ever thinks of the neck of their instrument as a handle, but it is. I mean, every time you pull the banjo out of the case, you're grabbing it by the handle. Then there's the handler. It's a handy thing. Now, if if you're a victim of MK MK Ultra mind control, and you have your CIA handler who's turning you into a programmed assassin or something, well, that's one kind of handler. But you could also have a handler. Let's say you're a boxer, and your handler, you know, he's the one that uh, he's got the towel and he wipes you down, and he's you know. <laughs> 
giving you water to drink and stuff like that. He, he's your handler, you know. So a handler can be a helper or a, or a control, you know, like some control freak. Why can't you handle those kids? You know, that sort of thing. Then there's the good old hand-me-down, you know. I was the uh, younger brother. My brother was two years older than me, so I wore a lot of hand-me-downs. I mean, Mom's not stupid. She's not going to throw out those, you know, those blue jeans just because Greg outgrew them. You know, they get handed down. <laughs> so I was wearing hand-me-downs a lot. And uh, then there is uh, hand-picked, chosen. This isn't an ordinary mandolin. I went back in the back and I handpicked this just for you. Again, the word hand. Handsome. Just think of Handsome Molly. And just think of all the other bluegrass songs that contain the word hand somewhere in there. That'll give you something to do this week. Just see how many times you can find the word hand in bluegrass songs. Like, perhaps, Hand Me Down My Walking Cane. Or hold to God's unchanging hand. Handsome. That's a really nice thing to call somebody handsome. And it has traditionally been used for males and females. These days it's more reserved mostly for the males. To be considered handsome is a nice thing. I often tell my son, why son, you look really handsome this morning. Because he combed his hair for the first time in a week. You know, that, that sort of thing. So it's okay to be handsome. This, this, this hand talk could go on forever. We could talk about, you know, how to do handsprings or how to be handy. And it just goes on and on and on. But I think it just, I hope that I have driven home the point that hands are so intertwined in everything we do and we don't think about it much. So think about yours. Think about how you can take care of your hands. And you won't maybe think about it until you make a mistake. And I've done it. I tried to use a drill press to drill through my own thumb once. Wasn't pretty. I won't tell you the story. You know. Um, other than to say that the bandage, my thumb was all wrapped up, and I, I was having a great deal of difficulty playing the bass for a while. For week to 10 days. Um, but I kept that bandage. I kept it and I stuck it on top of my drill press. It's still there today. If you come up there, you'll be like, what is that? looks like a, like a moth has built some weird cocoon or something. No, that's the bandage. And that is there. It's, it's poked onto a little adjusting handle. That's where you, some sort of adjustment on the, uh, on the drill press. That every time I go to use that drill press, I see that bandage, and it reminds me, "Don't do, don't do that again, you idiot." And you may—I don't know—if you've been around bluegrass a while, you may have heard the uh, the story, and it's apocryphal at best, of uh, Kenny Baker when he quit Bill Monroe. You know, it was Bill's. You know, they're at a festival, and Bill's. Um, taking requests very common at, at his shows he just start letting the audience holler out the tunes 
you know, after they'd played through some of their program material, things they had in mind, then it was just, they'd just call them out. And they started hollering for Jerusalem Ridge, Jerusalem Ridge, Jerusalem Ridge, Jerusalem Ridge. And I guess Kenny had just about had it. He was sick of Jerusalem Ridge, and he just walked off. I forget exactly what he said. You can go to the various bluegrass history books and and read up on different people's perspective of that. But he left Bill Monroe. And uh, <laughs> but the, the one of the stories that I heard about him leaving was that oh, at a festival or somewhere, uh, somebody was showing Kenny a hunting knife, and he was admiring admiring it, and accidentally dropped it and cut his hand. And that's why he couldn't play and had to, had to, you know, quit the band. But other people say it was, you know, he walked off in a huff, just sick and tired of playing Jerusalem Ridge for the 10,000th time. I don't know the real story, but, you know, if you do cut your hand, you're going to have a hard time playing. And you could do some serious damage that makes it impossible to ever play again. I mean, if you cut your whole hand off or something. So be careful around tools and heavy objects. I hurt my hand one time when I was about 11 years old. We had just moved into a house in Kennesaw, Georgia, and the moving man just dumped the washer and dryer off in the garage. It was a carport. Well, Pop needed to get that thing around through the yard, and the yard sort of sloped down around the back of the house and get it into the basement where the uh, where the hookups were, you know, so we could use the washing machine. So Pop's struggling with this uh, washing machine, and he hollers at me to give him a hand. And I nearly did. I mean, he had a uh, little red wagon. That was our hand trucks device. You know, you use what you got. And Dad had managed to, you know, get get the washing machine tipped up and sort of halfway on this, well, all the way on this uh, little red wagon. We're going to use the little red wagon to carefully roll the thing down the hill and get it in the basement. And he needs a hand. So he's like, all right, you get on that end of it and hold on to this thing. Don't let it fall off. Don't let it fall off. And he's holding it from the front and pulling and applying some braking <laughs> to the you know, so we don't just go rolling down the hill with a washing machine. And I've got my hands under the bottom of the back of the washing machine. Well, he hits a little bump. The washing machine bounces up and down and comes right down on my finger. You know, pinches my finger between the top of the wagon and the washing machine. Made a really ugly cut. And, and I tried not to say anything. I'm just... I don't want to admit any weakness, of course, you know. So wait till we get all the way down to the bottom of the hill, and he's stopped now, and we're going to lift it off. And he goes, okay, pick it up. I'm like, I pull my hand out, and I'm, I'm bleeding all over the place. And he's like, what happened, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that was long before I was playing any music, but I wouldn't have been able to use that finger for a little while. So... Be careful. You know, a pair of gloves. Use gloves. Use the proper tool. You know, hey, Pop, don't you have a set of hand trucks? Wouldn't, couldn't we do this better? Or why don't you wait till my big brother comes home and let him help? You know, use protection. 
be careful around sharp tools, heavy objects. There's a story floating around bluegrass, and you can check with Sam Bush as to the authenticity of this story. But the story that I heard uh, was that back in the early new grass revival days, you know, they were carting around a lot of amplifiers and things like that. And, you know, loading gear in and out of a van or a station wagon or something. And uh, a couple like, you know, wives and girlfriends were part of the tour, you know, and ran the record table and traveled with them and that kind of thing. Like Sam's wife, Kathy, I think is her name. And uh, Hazel, who was uh, traveling with Courtney. I did. But anyway, the point is they're doing their usual thing, pull up this joint and unloading gear and lugging gear in and amps and speaker cabinets or whatever they had to haul in. Well, one of them, and I think it was Sam, uh, you know, got his hand, got a door, like car door slammed on his hand. That's something you don't want to do if you expect to play the mandolin that night. Um, need to get this story straight from Sam sometime, but... The, the basic gist of it was, from then on, or for a while, the ladies huffed in all the gear. They schlepped the speakers and amps in, and the guys would stand around. But it wasn't because they said, hey, we're not going to, girls, unload our stuff for us. No, it wasn't that. It was, they said, from now on, you let us do this. Because if you guys hurt your hands, you can't play. And if you can't play, we don't eat. So, smart business move. So, the girls started carrying the gear in for them. Just to make sure they didn't bash their hands in the, in the car door. So, be careful. Be careful lugging those speakers around. Ask somebody for a hand. You know, you don't want to crush your hands. You don't want to cut your hands. And this is something that all guys need to be reminded of from time to time is, you know, quit using your hand as every tool. It's not a wrench. It's not a hammer. You know, if you feel the urge to ball up your fist and pound on something, maybe you need to go get a rubber mallet. You know, take the time. Take the time because you can do some damage to your hands by, you know, treating them like a tool kit. So be careful with your hands. And of course, you know, I mentioned gloves, but you got to be, be careful of chemicals and, you know, things that can harm your skin and things like that. Um, you know, don't be, you know, if, if you can put on a little pair of latex gloves and keep all that paint and grease off your hands, that's probably good. And you can avoid, you know, then having to use mineral spirits and rubbing your hands down with that. Or, you know what I'm saying? Just be careful of chemicals, too, because they can dry out your skin and things like that. I think I've talked enough about hands today. I, I would suggest, though, that, that you look into some hand exercises and some general hand care tips. I'm not going to be the one to give them to you. But, you know, a little gentle stretching and a little... A little warming up of the fingers and hands before you play is probably a good thing. Rather than just, you know, grabbing that guitar and squeezing or your upright bass, you know. And in between sets, you know, a little massaging of the forearms. And sometimes when the weather's cold, you know, a little warmth helps. Uh, 
um, keeping your hands, you know, the skin in good shape. And you'll, if you go on YouTube and, and stuff, you'll find some guitarists that have put out hand exercises. Also, remember that a good set of of instrumental technique exercises is good because it provides you with a variety of things to play instead of just ham-fistedly putting your hands in the same spot on the bass all the time or the guitar or whatever you know you can try some different things like even if you're just a rhythm guitar player it might do you some good to practice a chromatic scale from the low E string all the way to the high string, you know, zero, one, two, three, four, zero, one, two, three, four, zero, one, and so on. Because it gives your fingers something else to do, you know, put some variety in there. I think a lot of it is don't abuse your hands and, and give them a little bit of variety of experiences and it will make your hands more talented. Uh, just some other things that you can do over the, you know, just consider doing some of these things. You might learn how to handle cards, shuffle cards, maybe do a few magic tricks. That'd give your hands something new to do besides that big uh, G chop chord. Learn how to do the French drop with a half dollar and do some coin manipulation, you know, walk that half dollar across the back of your knuckles and things like that. Um, knitting. My grandmother taught me how to knit one summer. Um, I found it fascinating. You know, I made like a scarf, like 20 feet long, you know, like four inches wide and 20 feet long. And I was so proud of that. I brought it home and gave it to my mother at the end of the summer. Look at what I made for you, you know, knitting, crocheting, pottery. Although you got to be careful. Real clay will dry your hands out something fierce, but go down and get you some play-doh i'm not big on these like spring hand exercising devices and all those things because they just tend to do the same repetitive thing over and over and over you know if you if you're trying to uh just improve your grip you know that they will do that but as far as finesse get yourself a can of play-doh and uh, look at a picture of bill monroe and see if you can sculpt bill monroe in blue play-doh that sort of thing. And then mash the ball up and put it back in a can. Do that. You know, things that use your hands in different ways. Get you an old manual typewriter. You know, occasionally type. That's a good way to use all your fingers and build a little independent finger strength. Use the old, uh, what was that course that they used to teach in high school? I don't remember now. Anyway, you can, I'm sure, go to Goodwill and find a typing a typing textbook. Um, you remember the old game? It was called Jacob's Ladder, and it was just a big loop of string where you took about a four-foot-long piece of string and you tied a knot, so it was just made a circle. And you would do these little games when you were a kid where you'd loop it over your fingers and go back and forth, hooking your fingers in that string and pulling it out, and you'd make the cat's cradle and Jacob's Ladder and the witch's broom and all those things. Pull up some YouTube videos. Practice that. That's really good um, for your hands and fingers. Uh, maybe consider taking up the piano. Just start taking some piano lessons. What a wonderful way to use your, your hands and fingers in a different way than you might on your banjo. Same goes for things like the flute or, you know, you just want to give your hands some other things to do.
And of course, you can help around the house with uh, maybe making some homemade bread and, you know, kneading the dough. That's probably good for your hands and, you know, shelling peas and stuff like that. And of course, don't forget about swimming is really good, you know. Just knocked something off the bench there. Um, swimming, good. You sort of put your hand hands in a weightless form and gives them something different to do. Just dribbling a basketball around is a, is a really good thing, you know, and it improves your timing too because you got to time exactly when you contact that ball and, and push. Just kind of build your timing and your balance. Just buy you a basketball. You don't have to play basketball. Just dribble the basketball, you know. That's good. So think about some alternative things that you can do with your hands that may improve their tone, conditioning, and so on. Be careful with your hands. All right, I think I've talked enough for today. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, remember, got the little Patreon site over there. If you'd like to become a patron and support the show, go to patreon.com slash Bradley Laird. And remember that free ebook, The Ten Gemandments Discussed. Free. What more can you ask for? The price is zero. And you can get it over at payhip.com slash Bradley Laird and hit that miscellaneous button. I actually think I stuck it in a couple of categories. I probably put it in the mandolin and guitar categories and banjo categories too. But you'll find it. It's on there. The Ten Gemandments Discussed. Y'all have a good week. Talk to you next time.